This is an ABC podcast. The reason I think older workers can get stuck in a rut is is perhaps just a narrow-minded focus on, on their own skills. I think at a certain point, potentially, some people just stop learning and stop being interested in learning. So I've seen people in business sort of struggle with new ways of doing things and it sometimes, you know, upsets the flow of, of the workplace to some degree. So I once applied for a role and the question was asked about how long I expected to continue to work for and I said, oh, look, at least another 10 or 15 years and I was only in my um, mid-40s at the time and I heard on the back channel that there was a concern that the organisation would only get 10 to 15 years of work out of me. My experience of ageism at work has been actually quite positive and I think it's been more I'm the one that's ageist against myself, whereas nobody else at work seemed to, to be bothered by it. Hi, I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, is age the next ism we need to really start to confront at work? If you need convincing, have a listen to this. If a 55-year-old loses their job, how long does it take to get another one? Well, it takes much longer than for a younger person. It takes about 24 weeks and it's about 74 weeks for an older person to get back into the workforce. And some of the research at the Australian Human Rights Commission has shown that women in particular, if they lose their job, often give up searching. That's Age Discrimination Commissioner and former Federal Minister under John Howard, Kay Patterson. To get a snapshot of attitudes to employing and retaining older workers, the Australian Human Rights Commission and the Australian Human Resources Institute teamed up to survey more than 600 HR, academic and business leaders. Institute head Sarah McCann-Bartlett shares what they found. The biggest trend was that many employers still have a bias against older workers. So we had 27% of employers saying that there was an age above which their organisation would be very reluctant or reluctant to recruit older workers. But the good news is that that was actually down over time. So that number was 30% in 2018 and over 50% in 2014. And in terms of the definition of older workers? The survey showed that the definition of older workers was getting broader and younger. What we saw was that the over 50, I'm reluctant to employ over 50s, that jumped from around 4% to 13% in this survey. So that shows us that employers are looking at older workers through a much younger lens. That's really happened from the 2018 to 21, and I've been asking the question, was that confounded by COVID and people were reluctant because they felt that older people can't use IT? I would hope that in the next one we might see that flatten out. But if we don't, it's quite concerning. I think there was definitely some of that in this survey because a lack of technology skills was one of the top three reasons for not wanting to or being reluctant to employ older workers. But again, this usefulness of having the data from the other surveys, that number who said it was because of technology has gone down slightly over the three surveys. Sarah, were there any other factors or reasons why employers said that they might not employ older workers or they're reluctant to? 
Well, the first reason when we asked them why you don't employ older workers, interestingly, the first reason was because they don't apply, which sounds quite odd. But when you think about Kay's comment about how long it takes older workers to actually get a job, there could be this tailing off or this lack of self-confidence. The other reason was salary expectations are too high. But of course, salary reflects experience. And what you get in spades with older workers is a lot of experience. Then we had the technological skills. And then there were some other reasons like we have a policy of employing younger workers, which Kay, I'm going to ask you, that to me sounds like age discrimination and illegal. It is illegal. This Age Discrimination Act of 2004 says it's illegal to discriminate against somebody on the basis of their age. There may be some issues like the police force in one of the states says you must retire by 60. When it's state law, it overrides that act. But it's very hard. It's a you said, he said. We have the people who feel that they've been discriminated against. And when you look at both this research and the Centre for Excellence in Population and Ageing Research at the University of New South Wales did a very fairly similar study of 2,000 older workers across about 1,500 organisations. And many of the responses are the same as here, that they felt they were overlooked for training when they were older, that there was poor transfer of knowledge from older people to younger people. And 90% of people over 65 said there was no interest in helping them train. So it was very similar results. And I think the most important thing is that people need to understand that it's against the law to discriminate, but we get a large number of complaints. About 7% are about age discrimination, and most of those are about discrimination in the workplace. But it's very hard to prove it. Sarah, there's a brain drain associated with the loss of older workers from the workforce. What kinds of skills and attributes are being lost? Communication ability to change, ability to manage and respond in a crisis. And these are the sorts of skills that older workers have, as well as very deep knowledge of their organisation. And so there are those sorts of of skills and that, that loss of knowledge when you get older workers leaving. Now, there are lots of ways that you can actually deal with that. And things like mentoring programs, formal programs or projects to transfer knowledge and um, training of younger workers by older workers to actually transfer that knowledge. But it is a really big issue, particularly as our workforce and our population ages. So what is the advertising industry doing about this? Yep, I said advertising. How about an internship just for over 55s? Yes, just like that movie with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Adam Ferrier is co-founder of Sydney agency Thinkabell. You have my undivided attention for three minutes. Go. (laughs) Adam has found ageism is rife in his industry. I think in, in in a career that doesn't have a structured learning process, you kind of walk into the career and then you just kind of keep on doing it. And you have to um, convince other people that you're really good. Whereas in a career that's got a structured learning environment, let's say a doctor, ageism occurs less because you've got more things to learn and the, the knowledge builds on each other and you can prove you've got your degree, your higher degree, your postdoctoral degree, your specialisation, blah, 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 blah. In advertising, it's not like that. It's kind, of, it's kind of like a trust me. And because we don't have those levels, those formal structures involved, 
then it's easier to discount somebody's experience. And I also, what I found really interesting, because it's such a creativity is such a kind of weird concept. Creativity combined with uh, experience creates a kind of a creativity of wisdom, which means your creativity is much more powerful and you're much better at solving problems and coming up with ideas because you've had so much experience in doing it. But it's really hard to, to prove that. And that's also, I think, as well, related to that is the economics of it. So if you're older, you've got more experience, you're often more expensive. And then if you can't prove that you're better for that experience really easily, then, you know, it's an it's a interesting conversation as well. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the internship you've run? Uh, we recently did an internship called Thrive at 55, which is an internship for people who uh, the only qualification had to be had to be 55 years or older to apply, and it was just an attempt to try to get new blood, new thinking into the agency. How many applicants did you get? I think we got about 700 applicants, and which is a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> at first, we were just going to do one person and we ended up doing three so two in the Melbourne office and one in our Sydney office um, we had a fantastic experience with our three interns we haven't been able to employ any of them at the moment we are still talking to one about working out and structuring a an ongoing role but that hasn't happened yet now the cynical people in the world might look at an advertising agency coming up with a great campaign internship thrive at 55 sounds fantastic unfortunately nobody got hired at the end what's your response to that in terms of did you just do it for the publicity well we are an ad agency right publicity is what we do and there's value in that right so there's value in having a discourse around having this conversation with your listeners there's value in all the publicity it generated. It helps raise awareness of the fact that only 5% of a workforce in advertising is age 55 or older. So there is value in, in having an idea that generates conversation. We also think with the three people who did the internship program, and I hope you get to speak to them, there was value in it for them regardless of if they've been employed full-time or not at the end of it. So a lot of value has been created. But extra icing on the cake, we want to employ more people age 55 or older. We are running the internship program again. It is going to be as part of our kind of cyclical thing we do. And so what did you learn from the experience running that? Uh, transformation is possible. One of our interns just completely had a massive transformation and kind of there was lots of tears and there was lots of rediscovering that person's sense of self and, and so on. For the agency, there was empathy and there was uh, just a, a better sense of ironically coolness and also being more <laughs> culturally tapped in, which is kind of interesting. And everyone loved it and everyone loved being a part of it and just having a little bit more diversity forced onto the team felt really good for everyone. And also, to be honest, we also had some cracking ideas come out of it, which is really good. What do you think about internships? Are they helpful, Sarah? What we do know is that your employee base actually should be reflecting your customer base because how can you actually develop products and services for them if they don't, number one? 
And number two, again, that brain drain and that understanding, particularly in an, an advertising agency, about what has worked and what hasn't worked over the years, I think is really valuable. And again, so that people don't think in the same way. So I think an internship is a great idea, but on its own, it's not enough. The purpose should really be to then transition employing older workers into BAU, business as usual, so that you don't actually need a special program to intern older workers. So one would hope that that then becomes um, part of their business as usual going forward rather than a one-off specific pro program. You know, we have one older intern every year or every two years. What do you think of that idea of internships for older workers? I think it's important, but I agree with Sarah. It's really got to have, it's, it can't be just using them and sucking the information out and letting them go. It's about transitioning or encouraging them and help them to move to some other job. I think it, it could be abused if it's not used properly. I've got to ask, if I was the CEO of a company and I wanted some cold hard facts, can you give me some economic reasons, Sarah, as to why I should care about this? Well, the first cold hard fact is that we are facing a skill shortage in Australia. We haven't had any skilled migration in over a year and we know that there are certain areas where employers are having trouble finding employees with the right sorts of skills. And that is really a big issue. So if you can retain your employees and use the intellectual capital and the skills that they have, then your business is better, not better off. We also know that when you have a much more diverse workforce, you have much better decision making and therefore you end up being a more profitable business. Employee retention, it costs a lot of money when people leave your business. It takes a long time to actually recruit and therefore you will be saving money and not having those gaps in your, in your business. So there are a whole lot of reasons why, as a business, you should be looking to utilise, retain, retrain your older workers. It's good for the business. Okay, well, tell us about the lump of labour fallacy then and what the implication is and why that uh, is a source of tension, some may say, with what uh, Sarah's been saying. Well, some people think that an older person's hogging a job. Well, I I'd agree with Sarah that we've had no migration, immigration because of COVID and we really need to make sure we retain the workforce we've got. The other thing is they need to listen to their workers. VW in Germany some years ago were finding their older workers were leaving and they sat down and talked to them and they said, minor changes, lifting the height of things, putting rubber mats, shifting them around from one job to the other, found that they stayed. But it also increased productivity with the younger workers. So they actually implemented that across their whole work, all their, their, their plants in Germany. But it was because they sat and listened to older workers. What are the incentives for you to leave or the disincentives to stay? And I think we don't listen to them carefully enough that sometimes a minor change can mean we retain them. We, I came across a company not long ago where they were looking at job sharing. And usually you job share with somebody at the same level as you, a young mum. Well, they both want to have school holidays and they decided they'd pair job sharing with an older worker and a younger worker who wanted to have holidays and time off at different times and that worked much better. Just being a bit creative about maximising the use of your multi-generational workforce. 
And I think that is really important because we do know that there are things that older workers can learn from younger workers as well. They have different ways of looking at things. They've been uh, trained perhaps in a different way, uh, gone through university, uh, different approaches to technology. So it does cut both ways as well for the organisation in terms of improving productivity. Particularly in an industry of marketing communications where it is quite competitive, I think. I've just um, made some great friends who have been significantly older than me through business and I think a lot can be gained from their experience and their knowledge both professionally and personally, I guess, and that's just such a treasure. My career aspiration has always been in the last few years to be Obi-Wan and to actually be the, the wise sage that sits in the corner and just answers all of the questions that the younger people want rather than actually having to do anything hard. Sarah, on the economic point, one argument is that older workers who've been in an organisation for a long time, they're way too expensive. What's your response to that? What you get is you actually get those years of experience. So over time, they have had pay increases because they have improved their skills. They have greater knowledge of the organisation. And so you are actually getting that productivity payoff. And that's why people are paid differently, because it depends on the value that they are bringing to the company. So I would say older workers are paid more because they are bringing those additional skills to the organisation. I always say, whether I'm talking to health science students about elder abuse, I say the culture we set now is the culture we'll inherit. So if we don't change it, it's not so bad for me because I think this is my last gig at 76, but for younger people, they'll inherit that culture if ageism still exists. The other thing is that people can take on ageist attitudes. You know, oh, maybe I'm too old for the job. Oh, maybe they won't like me because I've got grey hair. Or will I be able to stand up? I was talking to somebody the other day who's working in a supermarket and I said, oh, it's lovely to see you here again. She said, I love coming here. I do three days a week and I'm 83 and I love it. I love seeing people. She said, I get a bit tired at the end of the day. She said, I don't, I do a six hour shift, but it's wonderful. And I think we have to be as older people, I call it old and bold and say, you need us. You need us, we can make a contribution. And our research um, did show, Kay, that at that older end, that now 17% of people are saying they're going to work up until the ages of between 71 to 75. Now, if you think about a couple of generations before us, that would have been unheard of. Let's talk about change. Let's start with you, uh, Sarah. I've just got one about managers. Do you think organisations are giving enough training to managers on how to manage people at different ages and stages or even to manage their own unconscious bias when it comes to age? Well, we, we are seeing unconscious bias training in the workplace, but there are other things that can be done. So when we're recruiting, we can make sure that um, we look at CVs blind, no dates, and actually, for, for other pieces of unconscious bias, no names either, because that way we don't identify ethnicity, we don't identify gender as well. So blind CVs are a really good idea. Can't you tell from my experience vaguely how old I am, though? 
Well, nowadays there's also a bit of a trend among recruiters to take somebody's CV and take it from the linear format and tell a story about the person. And isn't it better to actually understand a, a story about a person than it is to actually read a list of dates? Um, so if you're preparing your own CV, what you can do is that those early years, early career stages, bundle it up into a story and then have some later um, experiences, but take the dates out. Because that's really what people are looking for. They're looking for an understanding of who this person is, rather than just a list of job titles with dates. What can they bring much more broadly than that? The Commission's been looking at um, Ed Santo, our Human Rights Commissioner, has been looking at AI and breaching human rights through AI. And one of the things that AI in selection does can look at the length of a person's name or their or their how many things, how many jobs they've had. And I think we've got to be really careful that artificial intelligence doesn't actually eliminate people before they even get through the first post. Absolutely. And even before that, when you're writing your job ad, have a think about the terminology and the words that you actually put in that job ad. So things like might suit someone who's starting out on their career, immediately will put off um, an, um, an older worker or even a middle-aged worker because that's a clear message from the organisation. Now, it may be an error. It may be they're trying to make the, the job sound attractive um, for certain reasons, but take that sort of language out. Sarah, have you experienced ageism in your career? Mm. Well, I've now crept into the older worker bracket <laughs> Uh, as, as a result of um, this survey. Yeah, thanks, survey. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what I thought too. There are a few people squirming Me too. here. <laughs> but I call I, it wiser, actually. <laughs> I'm in the wiser bracket right yes. now. So if I think about my early career, for me it was really the intersectionality of being young and female at the same time. And it didn't stop me getting a job, but I remember walking into meetings and people were slightly confused about who I was, that perhaps I didn't belong um, in a room with a whole lot of older males. But I think Kay's absolutely right, this, this feeling of confidence, and again, that goes back to, to older workers as well. Don't lose your self-confidence because actually there's so much that older workers can give. And one thing that I haven't said is one of the attributes of older workers that was seen as a positive is ability to deal with crisis. And what have we just been through? And what are future, futurists actually telling us about our future world? That there's going to be a whole lot more uncertainty, so many more crises, and older workers are seen to have been there, done that, know how to respond in a crisis, and are a bit calmer. I think one of the things we've got to be really careful of that we don't be ageist in the other direction. We had a radio broadcast recently and one of the people said, oh, young people do this and they do that and they do something else. And I thought, that's ascribing to all young people some attributes just like you ascribe to older people. And I think the real message is that it's about capacity and capability, not chronological age. Now, I've got a question for you, Sarah. Um, some organisations have uh, quotas for gender. What do you think about quotas for age? I think to start with, measuring what you've got is the most important thing because if you don't know what you've got in terms of 
a whole lot of diversity attributes, then you can't actually start to think about your organisation and whether it is or it isn't diverse. So I would be starting with measurement and then thinking about, well, how does that actually affect our productivity, our employee engagement? Are we facing um, this brain drain as older workers move out earlier than perhaps they should and be looking at programs. I think that where there is a potential clear failure, potentially, but then there are so many diversity attributes, we'd be putting in quotas for everything and that could become a little bit complicated. Thank you so much, Kay and Sarah. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. Head of the Australian Human Resources Institute, Sarah McCann-Bartlett, and Age Discrimination Commissioner, Kay Patterson. If you'd like to have your say about your experience of ageism at work, follow me on LinkedIn, where you can leave a comment on my post. This Working Life is produced by Maria Tickle, who's more than happy to say that she turns 55 this month, but doesn't feel a day over 75. (laughs) I'm Lisa Leong, and until next week, keep working. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.